Hey, it's DG, and I want to send you a ton of free marketing stuff right to your door or your inbox, whatever you want. I'm serious because, look, we know how it is. One of my favorite things about doing marketing at Drift is that we are all marketers just like you. So we're marketers doing marketing to marketers. It's crazy. And one thing we know that in the B2B world, there's so much content out there. It can be hard to figure out what to read and who to trust if you're looking to grow your business. And so we put together something that I call the ultimate conversational marketing starter kit. We asked our top customers, literally turned to them and said, what resources would you give to somebody new to Drift and conversational marketing, and we're packaging all that up to send right to your door for the first time for free. So that means I will send you a copy of the book I wrote with my boss, our CEO, David Cancel, on conversational marketing. This book was an instant number one new release on Amazon in three categories, and it's already sold 10,000 plus copies to date. I'll literally send you the actual 262-page hardcover book right to your door. Also, we'll send you This Won't Scale, a digital copy of our very popular book, This Won't Scale, which is a book we wrote as a marketing team about how we do marketing at Drift. It's 110 pages. It's only been available as a hard copy, but we're making it available digitally for the first time as part of this offer. We'll also send you the Modern Marketers Playbook. You'll get a digital copy of our Modern Marketers Playbook, which is a guide we wrote with strategic insights from 35 of today's most influential marketing leaders from companies like Slack, LinkedIn, Okta, Vimeo, and more. We'll also give you the Conversational Marketing Blueprint, which is the best next step after you read the Conversational Marketing book. And it gives you a step-by-step guide for implementing and optimizing conversational marketing for your business and... It's not over. The conversational sales handbook. This is the guide you're going to need to give to your sales team to build your conversational sales strategy, aka what you do after you take everything you've learned in the book and the blueprint. All you have to do is visit drift.com slash starter and grab all this stuff right now. That's starter, S-T-A-R-T-E-R. I tried to have no Boston accent on that. Drift.com slash starter. We'll send everything right to your door or we'll literally uh, just send an email if you prefer that, okay? Drift.com slash starter, and I will see you hopefully there. Hey, everybody, it's DG back with another episode of The Swipe File. And today on this episode, I have my conversation with Mike Volpe, who is the CEO of Lola. He was the CMO of Cyber Reason, the CMO of HubSpot. I'm sure you know that story. He joined after building HubSpot for eight plus years. He was one of the five founding team members. And then he went to Cyber Reason and grew revenue by 500%. The stats are too big. I can't even read his bio. Mike is personally for me, a very close friend, a mentor, an advisor. I had a lot of fun with Mike talking about PR, how PR changes as your company grows, why you need to date up as a marketer, why you need to hire people better than you and what it takes to become a CMO. Okay. Check it out. Mike Volpe on this episode of The Swipe File. Let's talk about PR. Yeah, PR. PR is hard. PR is hard. It's really hard. We talk about PR a lot, and I actually think the reason I like to talk to you about PR is because I actually don't think, so forget that it's hard, but I think people don't care about PR enough. And like one lesson that I learned from you early on was, I think I texted you one day because I just felt like you were winning. Your company was just winning every freaking award. It was like best pens, best mugs, best culture, yeah. best recruiting. Yeah. And, and there's an important lesson I learned from that, which is like, you said to me, dude, I want to win every award yeah. under the sun. Why would you not? Right. And I was like, oh yeah. 
because right. it can all be PR. It's just one more piece of exposure, right? So yeah. I think that, and you kind of go through phases. Like I felt like in building HubSpot early on. You were at HubSpot? A short while, oh. just eight and a half short years. <laughs> um, and day one, you're like literally, oh, if four people will stand in the middle of Harvard Square and listen to our pitch, like I'm there. If somebody will give me an award for best pen, I'm there. Like I want it. Then as you start to become like legit and have more of a brand, you're a much bigger company, then you kind of don't want to win the best award for best pen. Because it's like, well, why are they winning the award for best pen? Like I thought they're so much bigger than best pen, you know? So it's like you go through the phase. So early on, like, I mean, literally any tiny little thing, just like do it. On the best pen thing, so I just finished reading this book right now about this guy, Shep Gordon, and he was the manager of Alice Cooper, and he found Emeril Lagasse and all these people. Yeah. And he was like the biggest rock and roll manager back in the day. Insane. The whole book is basically like a PR thing. Right. He said that when he was like trying to have, he had all these up and coming acts, what he would do is he would try to get them seen with other people who are already big. Yeah. And he called it the flashbulb effect because they're like, I don't know who the hell that guy is. Right. But he just walked in with Mick Jagger. So that person must be important. Totally true. And I shared that with our team at Drift because I think that's really important. It's like, who are the brands we want to be up with, right? And so if you win an award with Joe Schmo and those three other companies, people associate with you with that group. Versus like putting yourself in those conversations. But, and it's even more than awards. Like we did this a lot at HubSpot as well, where we would try to do co-marketing, but we always called it like, That's like right. dating up, like yeah, dating yeah. above you your social class All kind of, of your thing. co-marketing was with like uh, Twitter in the early days. You guys did a huge webinar We did a giant LinkedIn. thing with Facebook. Yeah. I mean, yeah. a giant, a huge amount of stuff with Facebook. And literally Facebook was like a thousand times bigger than we were. And just the two logos together, it instantly confers credibility on your smaller brands because you're like, oh, like Facebook's doing some of them. They must be like legit. It's the same thing as that celebrity thing. And that, and by the way, it's not just music. It's like all celebrities do that. Yeah. Like they try to get like, oh, I just want a couple lines on your new track yep. or I want to just be, you know, whatever. And yep. fashion brands do it. Yep. They just want somebody to like, they actually basically pay celebrities well, to like just do an Instagram yeah. photo with like whatever handbag we're, or whatever. We're big, we're big hip hop fans. One thing that happens in that world is people, you can pay for a verse from a very famous rapper on your album, right? And that's how you do that. You get inserted. You have to pay yeah, you to do, do like the, do the opposite, right? How did yeah. you? Yeah. But how did you reach out? Like, what was the pitch, right? Because you're pitching, you're reaching out to LinkedIn, say for example, and like you guys, you know, you're growing and you have a bunch of email addresses. How do you? How do you get that? How do you get yeah. them to do that? I mean, you just you got to find an angle, right? So it's I mean, it's any type of selling, right? And so one of the things that we found was with most of these businesses, like Facebook, they typically had a very high churn rate with their small businesses mm-hmm. because they would go on, try some Facebook ads, they would get more web traffic, but like it wouldn't convert. Right. And so the pitch we made to them was like, hey, we're going to do a lot of education around how you can actually like turn that Facebook traffic into real business. And if they do that, they're going to spend more with you and stick around longer. So they, they so didn't Facebook, care that you yeah. didn't have 10 million people in your database at the time? Or well, I'd say the other thing is like, even though we were much smaller brands, because we had done so much online and built such a brand and had so much great content. We actually had like numbers that they were surprised that like it was still like a couple million, but they were like, oh, you, you have millions, right? And then you sell like, well, and by the way, these are a hundred times more valuable than consumer email addresses because they're businesses, yeah, right? And they were email. like, oh, and I was like, well, how big is your business database? And it was definitely like way bigger, but it wasn't like, you know, and ours was much more engaged too. So like we did a webinar with them. We actually drove more attendees to the webinar than they did. Now, once we started to talk about that, then they were like, oh, well, we're going to crush we'll you. We'll do more. Which is great. And yeah. they just and they basically just gave themselves a bunch of free Facebook ads yeah. and then crushed it. But like, anyway, so anything you can do something with other brands, and it doesn't have to be companies even that are in your, in your same industry. We used to do a lot of stuff. We try to do stuff with like MIT. 
So you try to get like an MIT professor to do whatever. And it's like, oh, how's that doing something with MIT, right? Things like that. Yeah. You just try to do things like that. Like at Cyber Reason, we've launched a couple integrations and try to do a bunch of co-marketing with like Splunk, right? Splunk is huge, especially yep. in the IT and security space. So do stuff with them. Anything you can do like that is interesting. We, you know, we did a, a movie. We actually made a, a documentary. Movie. Yeah, we should talk about that. No, no, this is what we want to do. The big thing for like we want to do is imagine we change the playbook for video where we do three movies a year, right? Mm -hmm. Or two movies a year. And, and we're working on that stuff all year round. Like, I love the movie idea. Yeah. That was another one where I saw the movie and I got a message from DC instantly. Where's our movie? So thanks for that. So I stole that idea. Like, I, I don't have Envision that Envision did that? No. Envision. I stole yeah. it from Envision. I copied a lot of the playbook. Jess Mayer, um, who, who worked at HubSpot, she was at Envision app and was part of that whole campaign. They did an amazing movie. And we just, we took a very similar idea. It's the defendersmovie.com. And the cool thing about that, though, is like, if you're doing a movie, yeah. we literally, we got our filming crew into the Department of Homeland Security's, their security operations center. So we're like the computers that monitor, like everything that's happening nationally in, in terms of society. We just told them we're making a movie. And they're like, right? sure. And the funny Come thing is, if you call them up, they're like, hey, this company, we're doing a video for our podcast or whatever. They'd be like, slam the door, wouldn't even talk right. to you. We're like, no, no, we're doing a documentary, right? And you're just like, they invited us in. Yeah. New York Times, like we interviewed their like, head of security. Like literally, you Love just it. think about content in new ways is basically what you need to think about. You said something there that was really important that I don't think, I think everybody thinks, man, you got all these crazy ideas, super creative. You said, I don't have any original ideas. And I think that's really important because This you, is going to go, like we're, we talk, we're both hip hop fans, right? right. Hip hop is like, there's originality in like every new track that yeah, comes out, but yeah. but most of that originality comes from like remixing right. a lot of old things. Or or most of right? the it's it, most of the beats are from '70s soul, yeah. right? So right. Like there's something right. there. Or or that was then taken and then put into yeah. like a Public Enemy yeah. track in like the right. you know the like the late '80s that then somebody else is using now. Or like on Nas's new album, he is like heavy sampling from a track that Slick Rick did back in like '90 or something like that. Mm -hmm. It's about either taking an idea that someone has done a long time ago and recycling it yeah. or something somebody's done in a different industry like looking at consumer and being like how could I adapt that for B2B is huge I was or a, take two ideas and put them together in a new way I was, on right? a pan, I was on a panel yesterday with somebody who she runs like digital marketing at Puma and yeah. their whole it was amazing they just launched a new campaign with like Carmelo Anthony and LeBron yeah. and that's the stuff that I want I'm interested in because I think everybody else in our space, I'm a B2B marketer. I think most people are going to look at what other B2B companies do. Yeah. I want to read, I want to study like this guy, Shep Gordon, for example, yeah. or Steve Jobs and Apple is cliche, but I don't think a lot of people copy what, what they have done or yeah. what's happening in music and consumer. I think there's so much to draw from inspiration because everything is all about people. Yeah. It's about getting people to do something. Same, yeah. same in B2B. B2B yeah. is no different. Yeah. And I just think people don't copy enough. This series has is anyone copied. done videos before? I mean, is this a no. unique idea? This is like 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 there's no. there's the, how many billions of videos that have been created, billions. right? But it's it's about yeah. I think it's about two, it's about tweaking things yeah. and then just executing really well. Yeah, because that's the other thing is like ninety seven percent of the videos out there like they suck because mm -hmm. they're not fun, they're not exciting, they're not mm -hmm. well edited, the audio sucks, like whatever. Just doing something really well is yeah. actually also Some, differentiation. Something we say a lot, which is uh. We say innovate, don't invent, right? Which is like find something that already exists, innovate on top of that, and make it better. Yeah. yeah. Back to PR, funny experience that yeah. I told you about, and you reflected back on me, which yeah. is when we were out there raising our Series C, which yeah. was $60 million, yeah. Sequoia-led, strong brand, right. whatever, 
I had a hard time pitching that as news. I know. I actually got three responses. I won't say the publications, but three responses from reporters that said, sorry, we don't cover anything under 100 million. Right. I was like, wait. I know. What? The whole, it's funny because And I texted like, you, I was like, I can't get anybody to respond to me. I know. Well, and I, and I told you that we had, I mean, we did a $100 million round at Cyber Reason, yeah. which we, we got a ton of coverage for. Mm-hmm. Wall Street Journal, yep. New York Times, yeah. like just great. But there was a top tier tech industry publication yeah. that didn't cover it. You know what was great about this? Is they actually, so this <sighs> column, this column that he was in, this is the uh, corner office column. Mm. He was one of like the last three people. Yeah. And then they they stopped doing they ended it. it. They, they ended, ended it. it. Yeah, I think they actually. I think they All just right. restarted it. Just so we got go on there, record that like, Mike Volpe said I didn't get in the help well, us get the rounds, in the New York Times. For the rounds, but, though, yeah, for but round, fundraising. Though. No, it's is really easier. good. It's really good. The worst part about this it's night really before good. we go down to New it's York. Really good. We go down to New York. Yeah, I'm in a hotel room. Yeah, DC's in another hotel room. Go out to dinner. I start to feel like, uh oh, something's not right. Okay. We had and to be, it wasn't just nerves. It wasn't just nerves. Okay. I wasn't nervous. I didn't have to do anything. I get to Instagram the whole thing like, and hang out with DC at the New York Times. Like, I didn't have to do anything. Yeah, but, but here's the thing. If you're the marketing guy and like the executive that you book for that interview, if they screw it up, true, like, it, or, it sets or, you or, way or, back because it means it's much harder to get future stuff. Or, well, that. Or like if this reporter flakes. You know, I didn't believe that it was going to be real until like, you know, because so many people flake. It happens. Oh, that right? guy's not going to flake. Not going to flake. New York Times yeah. is not going to so flake. So we go to New York, go to dinner. I'm feeling like, I'm feeling real weird. I'm up all night puking, every yeah. hour puking. And I have to be at the New York Times with DC yeah. at 9 a.m. Right. And I'm like, my body's cramping. Like, it was horrendous food poisoning. And so I walk out, like, on, a, on the New York streets. I go to, like, Rite Aid to get Pedialyte at 7 in the morning. Right. And I kid you not, I am sitting at a table at a desk. I finally felt better. It was not good, though. I'm sitting at a desk with Adam Bryant, the New York Times reporter, DC, and yeah. me. Yeah. And below me is a glass of Pedialyte that I keep sipping the entire time at the New York Times. I'm like, I can't believe this is happening. Wow. Luckily, it worked yeah. out. The interview was The other amazing. thing that happens when you do that and you're, you're a parent, then you get home. And the other parent is like, oh, well, you must be really well-rested from your business trip that where the kid didn't keep you up all night, <laughs> right. right? And you're like, actually, right. it was it was right. completely the opposite. Right. And then like, right. and then you get it when you get home, too. I remember yeah. it was like three months after Annie was born, I had to do a bunch of travel for Drift. I was in San Francisco for like two weeks at different times. Yeah. Annie was two months old, so we're not sleeping. It was the best week ever. I missed Annie and my wife so bad, but yes. I'm sleeping in the middle of a king-size bed in a hotel getting eight yeah. hours of sleep. No one night. kicking you in the face. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What else do I want to talk about? So PR, hard to get. The big thing with PR is like the fundraising-driven PR yeah. is kind of like that That has jumped the shark. That error is over. And li- literally, like when you have trouble yeah. getting coverage for a $100 million round, yeah. and literally the month we announced ours, there were like five other $100 million plus rounds. Yeah, it's and it's just like— And you can't control So that. it used to be like a benefit of fundraising was like you got a PR boost. It's much less so. So, like, yeah. not that that's a good reason just to raise yeah. money, but, like, it's just, um, yeah. I you got to wrap it up with something else I would try to tie it around something else. You like gotta, maybe, you there's a, it maybe there's a big yeah. hire you're making or right. a product you're a launching. A new CEO, something. A new CEO. Right. That was pretty good. You did a good yeah. job with we that. We did okay. But did okay. I actually think, I think, something I talk about a lot is, like, I actually think the landscape for what PR is has changed also. Like, yeah. I'm yeah, more, like, of course, there's the logos, New York Times, Wall Street Journal. Yeah. But, like, for us, right, we sell to sales and marketing people. For me, PR is, like, I want to be on everybody who has a podcast about marketing. Yeah. I want to be on that person's podcast. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Or There's more of a micro strategy. And also, like, it's kind of tied into social media, too. Like, if you publish your own thing. Yeah. And then tons of people promote that and share it on LinkedIn or Twitter or whatever. Mm-hmm. Then 
that's also PR. Mm -hmm. Like, how is it not PR? For it's sure. just like what the media is has changed. For right? sure. Let's go inside our text messages a little bit, which is oh, we're we've gonna, been talking. So we're gonna like do some deep cuts. We've here? been talking a lot about. We've been thinking about launching a series called Text with Volpe. I don't know if anybody would, would watch that, but um, we've been talking a lot about hiring. Yeah. And one of the things you've been kind of like helping me work on is we talked a lot about like as a first time leader or manager, it can be easy to default to like hiring people who are more junior and you have more experience, and that's just a natural thing, right? Where like yeah. I think something you learned, which you taught me a lot about, is like. Hiring up, hiring yeah. people with more experience than you, right. who are better than you. How do you how do you do that? Though? Yeah, so so new managers often like they come in and like I'm a manager, and they're like it's easier to hire people that are way more junior than you because they're more likely to like look up to you, yep. and you can like tell them what to do more, and it's more like it's an easier management job to do that. It's right. an easier hiring job. It's an easier recruiting job. It's right. all those things, yep. right? Yeah. But if you really want to be an exceptional manager, yep. right, you want to try to hire people that are actually better than you. Yep. You need to embrace that as a company culture and as like a manager and just like as as a ceo you would hopefully want to have people in every functional role that are the world's most amazing people at that mm. that even have like some runway ahead of them that could be ceo someday that's a great right it's that's like, it's a like great way to, things, that's a great like, way to flip that right? right it's like you if you run marketing changing your mindset from like i am the ceo of this marketing thing yeah. right a ceo of it wouldn't be a good strategy if as the ceo of drift right dc hired if he was the best person at sales, if he was the best person at marketing, if he was the best person at right. customer success. Yeah. So right. that's a really yeah. interesting way. So, so if you have a team, yeah. it's like, you know, and if you're running a whole marketing team, you've yeah. got a demand gen person, you've got a content person, brand, product yeah. marketing, whatever. Yeah. Like, each you should want, should each be. of them should be far better at you at that thing for sure. Yeah. And frankly, hopefully more experienced than you and like brings like more to the table and it kind of rounds out this whole team. How do you, like it just, what was your pitch, right? What was your pitch for selling somebody on that? The way to think about it is that Everyone in the world, like I had coffee yesterday with somebody who was like really junior, three years of marketing experience. And most people on paper would be like, oh, well, that entire coffee was about you teaching them something mm. or maybe you recruiting them or whatever. Mm -hmm. But in almost every conversation, there's something that that person knows that I don't know. Right. Right. Because he's deeper in the weeds of a bunch of tools or has seen different things, worked in different companies, whatever. There's something in his head that I don't know. Mm. And so, like, I can learn from literally anyone, I right? Love that mindset. About something. Yeah. Like, you guys right. are big on the learning mindset yeah. here at, at Drift. So, like, I think that makes sense. So, it's the same thing when you're recruiting. So, it's sort of like, okay, even if this person has 20 more years of marketing experience than you have, there's something that you know that they don't know. And right. they can learn about that stuff from you. Right. And so, you know depending which company I've been at and which job, it's always like you're pitching the person yeah. like, there's things that I don't know that you don't know. And I'm also not going to micromanage you on the things that you know more about than I do. And by the way, this is about like putting together a tremendously awesome and amazing team and just selling them on the opportunity. I, the I love that. that. That's like, like it, yeah. that's the best lesson. And I'm obviously, we've talked about it, so I'm not reacting the same way, but that's like the eye-opening thing. It's yeah. like, how can you put the right pieces of the puzzle together where one plus one is going to equal three as yeah. opposed to continuing to hire that way? Yeah. It's kind of like a little bit like in, like in sports. There's sometimes these stars that want to be like the center of attention. For sure. And by far the best person on the team. For sure. And then there's the other ones that take like maybe a little bit of like a discount to make some room in the salary cap. So like, and there's going to be other people that might share the spotlight with them, yeah. but the whole team is better. And that's like the mentality you need to I mean, to we have. talk about like, look at what Kevin Durant said. I could continue to be the star in Oklahoma City. 
and never win anything. Right. Or go join this group where there's five stars. And what yeah. happened? They won back to back. Right? right. But obviously, that's also not the right fit for some people. You have to get that person to buy in and want to be part of the bigger thing. If they don't want to be part of the bigger vision, that's not going to work either. And it's only going to work in both cases if both the leader and the person that you're hiring have a lot of humility. Yeah. Right. If you're not humble, like that's absolutely like not going to work. For sure. Right. For sure. And again, humility, I think, is an important quality in most of the most yeah. successful teams. All right. We got we got to wrap. I don't know, I want to wrap with the last topic, which is actually as we're filming this, today is your last official day as I'm like officially a CMO, a CMO for only like six more hours. Which Gonzalo and I were talking about this. We were like, is this going to break? Do we want to do this? What do you mean? Do we no, because I'm a CMO. CMO? Do no, we want I to have a, a CEO on the show? But I am a CMO. It's a fundamental thing. I, I am a CMO. I don't know. I'm a CMO. Okay. I mean, no. you can put it up for six hours and take it down. <laughs> but like, like currently at filming, legally, like I am a CMO. So You're I think right. we're, it we're is just under 10 the wire. 56. You're it's right. 11, so You're it's right. 5 p.m. call it, whatever. So You're like right. six more hours. Right. Okay. I'm a CMO. In all seriousness, what? It will be hard for me not to be a CMO even five years from now. Yeah, but right? but I also think like I think it was it was it Lemkin that tweeted something recently about the best CMOs know that the CEO is actually the CMO yes, and they like I embrace that. that. You yeah. retweeted that. Yeah. I think I retweeted or commented on yeah. it. And like it's very true. Like take take yeah. Mark Benioff, yeah. right? News alert: the CMO of Salesforce.com for the past eighteen years 100%. is actually Mark Benioff. 100%. You know, not and I know a lot of the people that have gone yeah. through and had that CMO title there, yeah. and they're phenomenal people. Yeah. But Benioff is the CMO of Salesforce.com. You know, has never had a CMO. Who? Apple. Apple has never had a CMO, right? There's always been they a VP probably of need one now. They probably, they probably need, one need one now, now. For sure. But right, Jobs was the CMO yeah. of Apple. But, for but sure. also that's different, right? Like there's different. And it types doesn't mean of, you're doing well. No, no, no. It doesn't mean you're doing all the tactical stuff. But like the visionary, the like like out there kind of thing, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. That's good. Yeah. As a CMO, what prepared you most to be CEO? It's interesting because it's actually I think becoming the world's best CMO is actually that alone will not make you a CEO, right? So let's like kind of pause on that for a minute like because that, that's important to know. Yeah. You're going to need more experience with other parts of the business. Yeah. And I'll point out like two things. Some experience with sales. Yep. So I had an opportunity, at first of all, at HubSpot, worked very closely with Roberge over yep. all the years yep. in there, in the trenches with the sales reps. Yep. Didn't report to me, but like a lot of detailed yep. experience working Fun with Fun fact him. about him, by the way. Looks great on about the golf Mark course. Roberge, yeah. Great dress, great yeah. outfit. yeah. Average golfer, but looks yeah. looks tremendous in a golf yeah. outfit. It's wonderful to play with him, oh, but anyway. he's not the ringer you bring in to win the tournament. Correct. Yeah. Looks like yeah. the ringer. Yeah, okay. totally. Okay. So a lot of detailed experience with sales. Yeah. I had an opportunity at Cyber Reason where I ran the BDR team. So Ooh. we had about 20 BDRs, and I had actually had a small number, like like four inside sales closers as mm-hmm. well. So I got mm-hmm. more experience kind of like managing on the sales side there. Mm-hmm. That was valuable. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I'll point out that I think helped me over time, go from CMO to CEO is a deep understanding of the finances of the business and all the metrics. And I actually put that way back to my first job out of college, doing two years of investment banking, living in Excel, taking accounting classes as part of the training for the job, breaking down. I mean, during that two-year period, I probably read uh, you know what, that's 100 weeks. I probably read four. I probably read 500 plus either prospectuses or 10K, like, annual reports, going through all the financial statements, really understanding the business, yeah. getting understanding of, like, how do investors value a business, yeah. understanding the capital structure of a business. Do I want to raise equity? Do I want to raise debt? Like, all those things, super important as a CEO of a growing business to understand all those things. So it's a combination of— If you're, if you're working just, way up on the marketing side, yeah. 
right? Yeah. And you want to be CEO someday. Yeah. You need to make sure you dig in on the sales side and on like the finance yep. side because the finance is like the language, like the operational language of the business and understanding all that. Like I understanding like how is the stock valued and if I sell stock now to these investors or these people, whatever. Also makes like, you a better CMO because you have a yeah. full understanding of the business. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. It makes you better at your job at any time to understand all that stuff. Yeah. And I would argue every employee should have that understanding yeah. and work on it. So like, it, you need you need to be broader than your individual role to kind of rise to yeah. that next level, and, yeah. and that's helpful. So it's, it's really interesting that I actually think a lot of like my hopefully ability to be a great CEO now goes way way back, you know, twenty plus years to my first job. I hope so. Yeah. All right. Thank cool. you. Always a pleasure. We're out of here. <laughs>、hey, thanks for listening to another episode of the Swipe File. I'm having a lot of fun doing this podcast, and so because it's fun for me, I hope it's fun for you. And it would mean the world if you could leave a review. Reviews really help.、Uh, and so go leave a review. Go to Apple Podcasts, leave a review. Let me know what you liked about the show, didn't like, want to hear more of. And also, if you're not already subscribed, make sure you go subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. The show is everywhere that you get your podcast. Probably where you're listening right now. But If you want more content like this, if you want to go a layer deeper, join me on Drift Insider. It's drift.com/insider. We're teaching courses, we're sharing videos, and we have exclusive content for people just like you in marketing that we do not share publicly. So go and check it out. Drift.com/insider.